It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Our approach to tackling coronavirus is to prepare for the worst and work for the best. You need a totally different style of leadership. It's not enough to have a plan. You need to be testing, testing, testing. Britain and the EU, do they want to be seen as locking horns on an issue such as a no-deal Brexit when the economy is going to be suffering and people's lives are going to be facing so much disruption? Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now, we're kicking off today with thinking about the UK government's plans, which are possibly evolving even as we speak, for easing the lockdown restrictions further. Now, it comes as the Office for National Statistics reported the lowest number of weekly deaths since the measures were imposed, with London reporting no new coronavirus deaths yesterday. At the same time, the Times has been reporting that the NHS smartphone app, which is designed to track and reduce the spread of the virus, will be ready for the launch at the start of July. An upgrade to the one used on the Isle of Wight's nearly done, apparently, and it'll be finished in time to be rolled out nationally when the next lockdown restrictions are eased. I have to say, I've heard a lot of scepticism about that, but that seems to be the plan. Mm, it's definitely been a long time coming, hasn't it? Meanwhile, a UK tourism group claims it's had assurances from the government that so-called travel corridors will be open by the end of the month. It would mean people could go on holiday without needing to isolate for two weeks when they get back. These are these agreements with other countries where you can go away and then you don't have to worry about these quarantines. But there's a group called Quash Quarantine. It represents 500 businesses. It says it's still looking at legal options against the UK's new rules. Well, to discuss all of this now, joining us is Craig Whitaker, Conservative MP for the Calder Valley. Craig, good to have you with us. Uh, let's start with this quarantine system. I mean, I've been reading in a number of outlets today, the mail uh, among them saying the scheme written with obvious problems. This is from a correspondent who has travelled from Lisbon to London. Staff have had it thrust upon them at the 11th hour. They have not had time to become acquainted with the rules. Sounds like a bit of a shambles. Yeah, well, good morning to you both. Um, yes, I mean, I, I personally don't understand why we're doing this now uh, compared to several weeks ago when the uh, lockdown started, which to, to a lot of people that would have made more sense. Um, I, I, and I also don't understand these travel corridors. I mean, uh, I understand that, uh, you know, some countries have a lower R rate than others, but the reality is if you're traveling and you've got COVID, you're going to infect other people. Um, so um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, things up in the air currently about this, um, but um, uh, whether it will work long term or not uh, remains to be seen. But the, but the point, surely, is there may be uncertainties about that. What isn't uncertain at all is the damage it will do to the travel and tourism industry and the airlines as well, who we know are already vulnerable. I mean, this really is uh, an issue of almost existential uh, trouble for them. 
Well, I mean, let's not forget also, you know, other countries, Spain, currently you have to self-isolate. If you go to places like Australia and New Zealand, you have to self-isolate for two weeks. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, w- whether we do that uh, uh, from people coming in or what, whatever, um, it's going to have the same effect. The flip side of the coin to all this, of course, is that if people can't go abroad this summer, um, they may spend the money in the UK, which may help the economy that way. What about this new research from the World Health Organization saying that transmission by people who don't have symptoms is actually very rare? Should that then inform our decision making around this, perhaps a scheme for people who are symptomless to be able to move about more freely? Yes, well, uh, you know, that's why I go back to what I initially said. I don't understand why we're into, you know, putting this in place now when we could have done it uh, several weeks ago. It would have made more sense to have done it at the start. And if you look at the countries that did it from the start, like Australia, like New Zealand, uh, seem to have a relatively low uh, death rate and indeed infection rate. Um, this, to me, seems like a bit of a nonsense and a, a bit of, you know, the horse has already bolted type scenario. But forgive me, Craig, doesn't that seem to be the pattern in so many areas, which is why a lot of people are well, somewhat concerned about the way in which the government, the party of which you're a member, have, um, have handled this? Because it doesn't seem to be particularly that we stand out for our efficiency or our effectiveness, rather the opposite. Well, I, I don't quite buy that. I mean, if you if you have a look at, uh, you know, every country around the world, which is, you know, all have been scientifically led by their own scientists, this isn't an exact science. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're in a situation that we've never been in before. And, you know, there's a lot of things that the government have done incredibly well uh, as well. You know, take, take, for example, how they jumped on the furlough scheme, the self-employed scheme, all the financial packages that they're helping... Uh, you know, businesses. So I don't buy the fact that this is, you know, generally a shambles. I don't think that's the case at all. Well, what about the social distancing rules around keeping two metres away from people? A lot of pressure on the Prime Minister to reduce that. Do you think that should be reconsidered? Um, well, I, I, I don't know about reconsidered. I think it's always been on the table to, con- to be considered. But when the, the advice from the science is that we're in a position where we can reduce it down to one metre, uh, then that would make a whole big difference to a lot of things. Uh, you know, whether it's shopping in the supermarket, there's a big push here in Parliament to make sure that Sunday opening uh, is extended. If, if we had a one metre rule, uh, th- th- there is absolutely no reason why we have to have the Sunday trading hours uh, extended. So, um, so I don't think it's been, you know, re-looked at. I think it's been consistently looked at. And I'm sure the government will bring that into force when the time is right and when the science is right for this country. Craig, obviously you're not in this cabinet meeting that's going on today, but if you were, what would be the one thing you would say to the Prime Minister that needs to happen now for both the health of the public but also the health of the economy? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a huge balancing act. I mean, you can't shut down a two and a half trillion pound economy overnight and expect it to re-jump start straight away. I mean, there's going to have to be, uh, you know, some level of uh, economic decisions 
based around the risks associated, of course, with uh, the public health as well. You know, schools, uh, for example, uh, it's pointless reopening the economy if kids can't go back to school. Um, there's all those factors that need uh, putting into the equation. Um, but, you know, the one thing is for certain that we're in a recession. It's going to be a big whopping recession like we've never seen before. Uh, and uh, they're the discussions, the forward thinking discussions that I think the government needs to be having about how do we uh, try and make this as uh, uh, painless as, as we possibly can uh, under dire circumstances. Uh, and Craig, what about the Black Lives Matter protests that we're seeing in various cities across the country? We saw Priti Patel um, speaking to Avon and Somerset police after the statue of Edward Colston, the slave trader, was was pulled down. She made it very clear she wanted people to be prosecuted. Do you think she overstepped her brief there, given that the police is independent to the Home Office? Absolutely not. I think it's what the majority of the people in this country believe. You know, my my grandmother used to say, uh, to understand where you're going, you need to know where you've been. And, OK, whilst, you know, some people may find this statue uh, uh, not of their taste or their liking, the reality is that is part of our history. And it is not for these thugs to tear down that uh, that uh, statue it is for the people of bristol to decide whether or not they still want that statue there uh, and uh, as a consequence of them doing what they did they absolutely need to be prosecuted for for, for destruction of uh, public property what about craig, the when you erect a, craig sorry when you erect a statue to somebody do you not inherently glorify them well, you also recognise part of our history, and that's why it's there. Uh, but, you know, it's not for thugs to, to tear down and decide. Otherwise, we'd have anarchy all across the country. It is for the democratically elected, democratically uh, uh, imposed uh, people of that city to either have a referendum or take a decision to remove the statue. It's not for thugs to do that. If we had that, we'd have anarchy all over the country. Well, you're talking about them as thugs, Craig, but I mean, they are people who clearly feel there is a massive issue to be addressed. And it's, it's one that, as uh, Seb was saying, united a lot of people across the country. In general, obviously, there were criticisms of the fact that people were protesting together at a time when that is not how the regulations say they should behave. But what's your sense of, of the anger that is there about racial inequality in 21st century Britain? Well, you're conflating two issues here. You're talking about the people that are genuinely uh, want to peacefully protest, and you're talking about thugs that are going around putting graffiti on statues, pulling statues down, uh, carrying iron bars, assaulting police officers, all those type of things. They are two very different uh, two very different things, as indeed I believe they are in every other country that this is happening as well. Of course, black, uh, black lives matter. That's incredibly important that, you know, uh, that voice is heard. But you can't put the two together. You know, the thuggery and the, uh, the violence that is associated, and, uh, you know, a small minority, I might add, uh, you know, don't speak for the people that are peacefully protesting, uh, and it is their legal right to do so. Uh, very quickly, a, a suggestion I saw in the Times, a museum of empire with all these statues in. Is that something you might be uh, be pro? Well, again, it's not for me to decide. It is for the people of the relevant towns, cities, uh, places, communities around these statues to decide on on, on whether or not they are uh, 
uh, you know, uh, to be left in place or, or to be put in, in some form of museum. Uh, I know, I know in, uh, in Rochdale, pretty close to my constituency, uh, 30 years ago, they put a huge painting of Nelson Mandela in the town hall. That's now been removed, but that's been removed because the relevant authorities deemed it not to be appropriate. Um, you know, 30 years on and something else is. And, and that's how these things should be decided, not by thugs who want to uh, tear the statues down. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. We start with the scale of the coronavirus's impact on consumers. Britain's drastically reduced spending last month after about a third of families experienced a loss of income. Consumer spending contracted 27% in May from a year earlier. That's according to Barclay Card. And a report from the Resolution Foundation separately says orders to work from home and maintain social distancing have hit poorer people harder. One in three low-paid workers has been furloughed, lost their jobs or had their hours cut compared with 15% of high earners. So the inequality of coronavirus, Roger, is looking pretty stark from this perspective. Yeah, it, it's clearly going to be a really harsh impact and, and probably in the, on people who can least afford it. Meanwhile, what's going on with UK trade? Well, we know what's going on or not going on with Brexit, but what about between Britain and the rest of the world? Well, Japan is having talks today, kicking off with the UK, aimed at replacing the free trade agreement that Britain currently has with the European Union. The government intends to build on the existing EU-Japan deal, which was of course, in 2018. Last year, UK's trade with Japan, the world's third largest economy, was worth over £31 billion. If there's no new accord with Japan by January the 1st, the two countries will default to trading on, remember these, World Trade Organization terms, meaning tariffs and new obstacles to commerce. Japan is the UK's fourth largest non-EU trading partner. Mm, yes, trade like trade deals like these that are a big part of the Brexiteers' pitch. So it's pretty crucial that things like this go well if the sort of Brexit they wanted is going to come about. But anyway, we've got to talk about these landmarks, these statues. London's landmarks going to be reviewed to make sure they reflect the city's diversity after protesters tore down a statue of a slave trader in Bristol. Mayor Sadiq Khan says plaques and street names largely reflect Victorian Britain. He's asking a commission to look into it, which could result in some things being removed. Have a listen. Look at diversity in the public realm in relation to the lack of black people who are on statues or streets named after our LGBTQ plus community, women, those who are disabled and try and have a city that better reflects London and the values we have. So the uh, city and the mayor taking quite a stark position on this controversial issue. At the same time, thousands of people signing petitions for the statue of colonialist Cecil Rhodes, Cecil Rhodes to be removed from Oxford University, where it's been controversial for quite some time. Right. Well, one of the anchors and uh, that, that is 
really causing issues for the government at the moment and dragging them down, stopping them moving on, is concern about their popularity. And that is coming to the fore because as the lockdown is eased, the way the public think about them and the lockdown measures, uh, well, it's gone rather to the downside, particularly since the Dominic Cummings scandal. Polls over the weekend suggest a big drop in the gap between the Conservatives and Labour from 26% in April to around three points now. Well, joining us is Chris Curtis, Research Manager at YouGov. Chris, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. Um, just give us a sense. How do Britons think their government is handling the virus crisis now? Well, I mean, the data now is showing fairly badly. Significantly more people think the government is doing a bad job at responding to coronavirus than they're doing well. When we look at international comparisons in terms of the data we've collected from the public around the world, the British government comes pretty close to bottom of the list. Um, in our most recent poll, there actually came bottom of the list in terms of the most people thinking that they're doing a bad job at responding. Uh, government approval this week is down to 32% um, from the incredible highs that we saw on that measure at the peak of the crisis. So while at the start of the crisis there was this rally around the flag effect, everyone supporting the government, everyone coming behind Boris and what they were doing, that ain't the case any longer. So how is that affecting a party and political leader a credibility and popularity through this? Are the Tories and Boris Johnson taking a hit against Labour as a result of this change of perception of their management of the lockdown and of the coronavirus response? They are, um, and particularly since the Dominic Cummings scandal as well. Uh, the Conservatives started off with a massive lead in the polls. I mean, we were looking at polling leads of, you know, 15, 20%. Some of the polls out over the weekend show that that lead has gone down to three or four points. So the Conservatives are still ahead, but that massive advantage that they had um, has disappeared. If you look at whether the public think Boris Johnson is doing well or badly personally, uh, more people now say they think he's doing badly, with uh, 60% compared to 43% who think he's doing well. So more people think he's doing badly than well. And you compare that to the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, you know, more people think Keir Starmer, 48% think he's doing well, um, as opposed to 21% who think he's doing badly. So the comparison between the Conservative Party and the Labour Party is particularly interesting at the moment. And the Conservative Party don't necessarily have that massive advantage that they had after the election and earlier on this year. And Chris, what about the the virus issue at the heart of this, because this seems to be what it's focused on, and the rules, the rules being relaxed. Now, there was great fear after the Dominic Cummings affair that many people just say, well, that doesn't really apply to me anymore. I mean, are you getting a sense that people are easing up on themselves in terms of, of, of going along with the regulations? So I think when looking at the uh, attitudes towards lockdown, you've got, you've got to separate out two things. Firstly, what, what lockdown rules do the public want? And overwhelmingly, the public have supported lockdown. Um, and if there is a criticism of lockdown, it's been that the rules haven't been strict enough and that the loosening of the rules um, has been happening too quickly. Uh, that's less true than it was a couple of weeks ago. The public are now a little bit more happier with lockdown easing than they were. But they're still nervous about it moving, moving too fast. But then the second question, as you say, um, as you asked about, which does have to be treated slightly separately, is, well, regardless of what the public think about the rules, how many of them are breaking it? And we have noticed an increase in the number of people breaking the rules. So in our poll, um, after the Dominic Cummings scandal, we asked people, 
uh, to say whether they started breaking the rules more. One in five, 21%, said that they'd started following the rules less strictly than they were doing previously. Those 21% of the population, we then asked them, well, why have you started to break the rules more? And a third of people uh, mentioned the Dominic Cummings scandal. So that's 7% of the public overall um, who have started breaking the rules more, claim they started breaking the rules more in response to that new story. Mm, so pretty clear then. What about Sunday trading rules? Because uh, Craig Whitaker, RMP, in the first part of the programme, telling us that it's something that's being discussed in Parliament and there's some support to temporarily relax them. Is there any sort of support for that among the public? Uh, there is. So on balance, more people would support. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but more people, when we asked in our poll yesterday, said that they'd uh, support the change than oppose the change. Um, so, yes, I mean, there, there is lots of support in Parliament. There's also lots of opposition in Parliament, say, from Labour MPs um, who, who oppose this, but also lots of sort of Christian Conservative MPs who oppose it because uh, they want to keep Sunday special. But among the public, more people do support the change than oppose it. Now, what about the other thing that's been dominating the news at the moment, Chris, which is, of course, the protests in the United States, but also here, and those very dramatic pictures of what went, ha went on in Bristol, for example, toppling a statue into the harbour. Um, do you get a sense of, of how people are feeling about the issues at the heart of that? What are people saying? Well, I mean, it's very, very difficult um, to do research in this area. We, we haven't done a lot because, of course, this is a new story. Uh, that's, that's, that's quite recent. We did ask um, about the statue in one of our most recent polls, and there was general approval amongst the public. So the, the majority of the public say they'd approved of the statue being removed, although they didn't necessarily um, approve of the way it was removed. So just 13% said it was acceptable the way it was done, although you know the majority, as I say, thought that it, it was correct to get rid of the statue, but, but, but perhaps for other means. Um, and I think that's that, that's generally the consensus and also the consensus um, in response to the protests from a lot of the polling we've seen over in the US. There is a lot of sympathy, even at the time of lockdown, um, for the protesters and, and what they're doing and, and support for them. If you've done anything around holidays, I feel like we're coming up to the summer period and there are a lot of people who are going to be wanting to get away. But then there are equally a lot of people who are quite worried about the risks, the health risks. What is the sense from the public around whether people are actually looking to do this rather than playing it safe and staying at home and just calling this summer off? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is going to be one of the cases. Obviously, the, uh, the, the, the uh, airline industry, for example, are hoping that the government are going to start easing rules and that's really going to you know, kickstart everything. I'm not actually convinced that just changing the rules is going to be enough. We've seen um, in lots of cases, but particularly when looking at international travel, the public would still be very nervous to do things like this, even if they were allowed to do so. So there's some polling out that we've done with Sky News that's out today shows that uh, more than two-thirds of Britons would not be planning to um, have international travel for the rest of the year. Um, and there would be you know, significant chunks of the population tell us that they would feel really uncomfortable, say, getting on an aeroplane, even if they were allowed to do so. So I think that they, just changing the rules isn't going to be enough here. There's going to be some really real difficulties for that sector. Do you get a sense of how people feel about the quarantine thing? I suppose if they're not considering going abroad, it's neither here nor there to them. Uh, yes, I mean, the, 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 the public generally support the quarantine, you know, with 
there's lots of um, yeah. As I said, as I said previously, if there's a criticism of the government, is that they've been easing lockdown too quickly, um, and that they haven't been being strict enough. And that's one of the reasons why the quarantine is popular because it's one of those things that shows that there's sort of control. It shows that you know the government is trying to do more to clamp down on this. You know, regardless of the specifics of it, regardless of the argument, it feeds into that, and that's one of the reasons why, in the sort of limited polling we have got on this topic, more people support it. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com/enterprise-data to learn more.